Five Secrets to Parenting Abroad on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by SEO ProLab, the company that I trust to keep ServNoMaster at the top of Google. To save 10%, use the coupon code ServNoMaster at checkout. Go to ServNoMaster.com backslash SEO today. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author, Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. Not everything I do every day is about business. As much as I love talking about business and I love what I do, everything I do is really built around giving my parents, giving my, <laughs> being a parent and giving my children the experience that I always wanted as a child. Now, I was just on the phone with my dad the other day explaining how, like every other parent, I want to give my, parent, my kids a better experience than I had as a child. But unfortunately, my parents were great. I was very fortunate with my parents which means they set the bar very high to me. For me to give my parents, my children a better experience, I have to be amazing. And when you're living abroad, you have a unique set of challenges that you kind of never think about before. You kind of never uh, cross your mind, how am I gonna deal with these things? A lot of things that are so easy when you're in a home country, all these systems that are set up in place, they become very hard. Recently, we were dealing with uh, the government, working on um, our wedding stuff, and it became very difficult Anytime you have to deal with bureaucracy, it pretty much stinks. And dealing with bureaucracy in another country is super annoying. I hate doing all of that stuff. And they made us wait in this office filled with mosquitoes that were biting me like crazy. And I was worried I'm going to get dengue. Maybe I did get dengue. Find out. And it's like, why do I have to deal with this problem? Why is government so inefficient? And in a lot of other countries, you'll discover governments run different ways. You have to deal with different problems. And one of the first things that you struggle with with your children uh, abroad is parent and parents is where am I gonna put my kids in school? How am I gonna educate my kids? And I've talked in the past about homeschool options a little bit, but I just wanna give you kind of a big picture view. And you know, the school here, it's, how can I say this? I mean, the problem in this country, as in many countries, is massive corruption. So all the money that goes into the government doesn't make it back out, unfortunately. Here, probably 80% of the money that makes it in the government gets stolen. So the schools are terrible, not because the people are terrible, not because the people are malicious, but because they have no funding. When I was in the mayor's office, I was shocked. It was horrific in my town. It's in such bad shape. It looks like a bombed out building. It's filled with mosquitoes. They don't even have the money to paint anything, I guess. And they don't have any money to kill the mosquitoes or maybe they just don't care, but it was so bad and it's so unfortunate. And all this stuff trickles down. So when you look at the school, you go, oh, this is, you know, this is the only option. It's not where I want to put my kids in. Now, I have a couple of firm beliefs about school. I'm not a big fan of the American public education system. One of my siblings went through public school. The rest of us went to private school. And let's just say the ones who went to private school make a lot more money. You can look at financial trajectories and see the difference between what we make and where we went to school. There's a direct correlation. It really, really makes a difference. Now, maybe that just happens to be with me and my three sisters, and maybe we're outliers, but I'm very cognizant of not only what my children are learning, but what gets put into their bodies. We send them to school and more and more, it's making the news all the time when they create these revisionist histories or they turn, you know, a historical hero now that that person's a villain. Oh, yeah, he started, he wrote the constitution, but now he's a bad guy because of something else. I don't really like historical revisionism. As someone who majored in history in college, 
the thought that we can change history and turn heroes into villains, I don't like any of that. Now, I do like when we teach history as something that's unknown, because it is. A lot of times, two people at the same event have two totally different descriptions. How many times have we seen that? It happens in the news all the time. He attacked me. He didn't attack me. You know, all that stuff where it's he said, she said, a lot of news is that way. When there's a battle, guess what? Whichever general writes the story, it's going to sound a lot different. So in college, we learn to question history, but in school, we're taught history as a fact. And I don't like when they change all the facts. I don't like when they alter history and say, oh, we don't like this person, so we're moving them from the tag. Don't do that. I don't like when they modify lessons based on emotion. I'm like, no, I just want to know what happened. I don't like changing the thing. And also, there's plenty of things in school that I think they teach are waste. I don't think any kid will ever use trigonometry as an adult. Maybe if you're an architect, but even then I asked architects and they don't. One of my siblings, one of my, sorry, one of my brothers-in-law is an architect. I asked him, he says, no, I don't use trigonometry, I'm saying. And I said, oh, I just assumed, then why did I learn it? I thought, the, I can't think of any other profession that uses it. So there are other things that they teach you in school that I think are a waste. And there are programs I think are very valuable that they don't teach. It's very hard to get your kid into a music program. And I think music is more valuable than a lot of what they teach. And then, of course, in English class, they make you read all these books. And I used to, when I was in high school, me and my English teacher my freshman year, we did not get along because we're very opposite. As much as I am a bit of a chubby guy and seem a little bit meek, I'm very much into a certain masculine strength in the books I like to read, which I'm sure you're not surprised by because you know I read books about spaceships and robots and dragons. I hated Catcher in the Rye. I hate that type of book. A lot of those books they make you read, they tell this is a great American story. I don't like it because the person, the main character, spent the whole book whining. Right? The catch in the rice starts. What happens? He loses the fencing team's equipment on the subway. That's his whole job, right? He's the manager for this team. He loses their equipment and then he just runs away. I don't like that. I don't like someone who, when they do something wrong, doesn't take responsibility for it. So me and my English teacher, we often clashed because I didn't like the books they were forcing me to read. They're always trying to find that great American story and force you to read it. And I get it. There are historical authors who are important to American history and they did great things. But more and more, when you look at the books they force you to read, they're not good. I remember we had this summer reading program and they were like, oh, you got to read books for the summer. And I read all these different books. I'm a big reader. And I remember one summer I read Shogun, which if you've ever read, it's a nightmare. It's a really big book. It's one of those classics. And they said, oh, this isn't on the list. It doesn't count. I'm like, this is a thousand page book. And they go, no, you should have read this 80 page book about the Merenstein Bears or whatever, the Bobsy Twins. That doesn't interest me. So there are things that I experienced as a child in school that I want my children to go through that. There are parts of education. Every parent feels this way, right? You're like, oh, my kids learn this, not that. And I mentioned before how I feel about education. I wish my kids would learn about, I wish I'd learned about credit cards. I wish I'd learned about home repair. I wish I'd learned about fixing a car. There's a problem with my scooter right now. My, it's not a motorcycle, but it's also not a moped. It's in between my little scooter where it turns, the engine turns off all the time when you're driving. It just turns itself off. We take the mechanic on the island all the time. They go, oh no, this is fine. This is normal. You're supposed to be on the highway and the engine just turns off. Why are you complaining? I would love to be able to fix that myself. And in fact, where I live, where I grew up in Nashville, there's a race car school. There's a school for people that want to become NASCAR mechanics. And I looked at it and you know what they don't offer is anything for regular people who want to know how to work on their own cars. I find it unbelievable. I couldn't believe it because I went to their website, I read all their stuff. I was like, I bet I could take like a six months course to get a basic understanding of how to handle my own car stuff. Nope, not interested in me, but not interested in doing business with me. 
So there are a lot of things that I feel were wasted time in school, a lot of things that I would rather have my kids learn. So I'm looking at education, you know, school choices here are very limited, but fortunately, when you're in another country, you can do whatever you want. See, in America right now, even if you try and homeschool in many states, they give you the curriculum, so you have to teach your kids this even if you don't believe in it. You have to teach your kids this even if you know it's wrong. And there are certain things that I think are subjects that are way too political, and I also think they're a waste of time. I mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again, that one of the big debates is whether or not to teach your kids about evolution, right? This is the big fight everyone has about homeschooling. And for me, who cares? If it doesn't affect my child's life, then it doesn't matter to me. I don't care whether, I don't think it should be a, you know, a big subject at all. I think it's dumb because there's no evidence. I said to my, I remember I said to my, and I was in high school, I said to my teacher, you believe in this, this theory of evolution? I said, can you tell me an animal that's evolved in the last hundred years? And they said, no, no, of course not. It takes way longer than that. And I said, well, then why does it matter if it's not happening? If I'll never notice it in my lifetime, it doesn't matter. I just need to know about the animals that exist now. It doesn't matter how they got there because how they got there won't affect what I do tomorrow. What will affect what I do tomorrow is the weather. Another scientific theory that I struggle with is there's a law that says life only comes from life. They used to believe that if you had rotting meat, it would turn into animals because maggots would grow from it before they realized that no, flies had to plant the maggots when no one was looking. So we learn all these studies that say, it's, oh, it's a rule, life only comes from life. Non-life can't create life. And people like to quote, there's a, there was this study they won the Nobel Prize for proving that in an experiment, if you have enough chemicals and stuff, it will create biological compounds. Except for later on, they took the Nobel Prize back because those guys faked their research. But they don't often teach that in school, do they? They don't often teach you that that whole study was faked and those guys got in a lot of trouble. Those guys are still remembered in a lot of school books without saying, oh, by the way, this study was faked and these guys were you know, defrocked and shamed. So I don't like to go down that whole path especially with science, but there's a lot of things in science that's like, we're not sure yet or it doesn't matter. Who cares? We don't know how gravity works. Figure that one out and then let's teach that in school. I want to teach things that are practical, that affect my children's ability to live, to support themselves and to go forward into the world. So those are more important to me than getting caught up in these debates. Whether for you it's a debate about religion, whether your religion is religion or whether your religion is science, I don't care. People that are obsessed with either side of that debate are wasting time and I don't like people that waste my time, and I really don't like people that waste my children's time. For me, you can cover both ideas. Evolution and creationism, it takes an hour to cover each, that's it. There's no value, there's no life change for my kids, there's no change to their income or their trajectory if they spend six more months learning either of those. What a waste, what a waste of my children's time to learn something that won't affect their ability to support themselves. What good is knowing everything about evolution if your kid is stuck working minimum wage. No thanks. Thank you, but no thanks. I want my kids to make more money. I want my kids to be self-sufficient as early as possible. So I know we've gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but these are things you can really think about when you're raising your children abroad is that you don't have to worry about anyone deciding what you can and can't teach your children. You can find curriculums that you like. Me and my girlfriend have created a very custom curriculum for our children. My daughter is three years old and she's already learning addition and subtraction. It blows my mind. I didn't learn that stuff till I was about seven or eight. But ahead of the curve, maybe I was six, I don't know, but I, was, I wasn't three. I didn't even learn the alphabet till I was five. So we're able to push our children and teach them at the correct rate. Being abroad where you can afford different things and you can afford different types of schools gives you a lot of other options. A lot of people immediately go, oh, I'm gonna send my kids to the American school, but is that always the best choice where you live? Where I live, my daughter goes to a private school two hours a day. 
It's more like a fun daycare for two hours. It's not a very serious school. You don't go to serious school when you're three. It's like pre, pre, pre kindergarten. I don't know if she's going to stay there beyond that. I'll have to see what the curriculum is like, but I am very involved in seeing what they're teaching her. I don't want my children to learn things that I think are stupid, that go against my personal beliefs, or that waste her time. Another thing to think about is television. When you're living abroad, you start to notice how the stuff they show on television is very weird. There are a bunch of television shows here that I don't care if the nannies watch them, but they're not allowed to watch when the kids are in the room because I don't like the message. There are certain messages that I don't agree with that get pushed in television. And if you don't think television is political, you're not paying enough attention. If you'll notice over the last year, while there's been a big immigration debate, most television shows, reality shows, everything, they have the story. They have a story about it, uh, someone who came in the country, you know, whether you want to call them undocumented worker, legal immigrant, I don't care, I don't live there anyways. And it's always a really positive story, right? They always, and they didn't have stories about that two or three years ago. They're constantly taking political messages and slipping them into children's TV shows. If you watch Sesame Street now, the quality of Sesame Street has dropped to the floor. Sesame Street, when I was young, was about counting, was about learning your alphabet, was about friendship. Now, most of the lessons are very much about diversity. As someone with a mixed race family, in fact, I'm the only white person in my entire family, I don't care about diversity. I just don't. It doesn't help my kids. I'd rather my kids learn how to read earlier, okay? And I'm sorry if you disagree with that, but for me, my goal is always, I'm very much capitalist. I'm very much into my children being able to take care of themselves. And mastering the art of diversity will not affect my daughter's ability to make money when she's 18. It will not help her in any way. So it's just empty time, sure. I think it's fine. Yeah, you should like everyone from every race and judge people by the content of their character. That's all fine by me. I believe in that stuff. But when my children are learning, I want them to learn things that are valuable and I want to avoid political messages I don't agree with. On certain cartoon shows now, and you'll see this more and more, and this is appearing more and more in the media, they're trying to normalize pedophilia. Recently on an episode of Adventure Time, one of my friends saw this and, you know, uh, uncle, one of the, like an old man joked around about dancing with a little kid on their bed. And it was a little bit over the top. And it, made me, and it made my friend and made me uncomfortable. And then they have a bunch of dancing and fun times to normalize it. They're just doing soft stories right now. But I promise you this, it's appearing more and more in magazines, it's appearing more and more in newspapers where they're saying, oh, I'm not a monster, I'm just different. And it starts off in the very left wing, the very fringe, they start publishing these stories, and they start soft and little stories appear in the news a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. They're showing up in cartoon shows. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't want my children exposed to that. Now you can call me whatever you want, okay? Maybe I've got Victorian values, but I don't want some old creep trying to hurt my children. We already dealt with that, okay? I already literally dealt with, and one of the reasons my family had to move was that someone did try to do something horrible to one of my children. So for me to see that on television, to see shows where they normalize it a little bit, or where they're just planting those little seeds, and I see it in the news, and I see it in these shows, it appears in cartoons here and there, I don't want any of that. I don't like that stuff. I don't want my children exposed to things that I have a major problem with. And I will always have a major problem with uh, hurting children. I don't care how many stories they post in the newspaper about how someone isn't really a bad person, they're just different. No, if you hurt my kid, I'm okay with that, okay? I don't, three, I don't think a three-year-old should date a 50-year-old. Maybe I'm a Victorian, whatever, maybe I'm too conservative, but I don't want someone to hurt my child. And as someone who literally dealt with that, who had to save my daughter when she was less than 18 months from being hurt, yeah, to me, it's really close to the bone. So I don't like that stuff. So I control what my children are exposed to by only showing them uh, DVDs of TV shows. 
which means my children are now watching classic Mitch Rogers episodes from the 1970s. Guess what? I've seen them all. And I know what they're going to be exposed to. I like using old TV shows. I like using old cartoon shows for the same reason. My children, as I mentioned recently, watch a lot of the Pink Panther. Guess what? Pink Panther smokes. It's okay by me. I don't smoke anymore. My girlfriend never smoked. None of the people that work in our house smoke. They see it in a cartoon. Who cares? People are so obsessed with, oh, you can't let them watch something smoking in a show. It's much more important to watch a show where they slip in little hints that pedophilia might be okay. No thanks. I'd rather choose smoking. If I have to choose between the two, between having something horrible happen to my daughter again and having my daughter get exposed to a smoking cat, I'd rather her watch the smoking cat, okay? As someone who's been in the middle of that nightmare, that's my choice. And I'd rather it be a conscious choice. Most of us unconsciously choose what we expose our children to. When you let your children watch TV, you have no idea what's being put in there. You don't notice the political messages. You don't notice the, all of the stuff in there. Okay, I don't want my children watching Saturday Night Live because all it does anymore is have story after story against the president. Now, I don't care which side you're on, whether you're Republican or Democrat. I'm really not into being anti-president. To me, the president is a president. If it's not someone you voted for, it doesn't matter. You should respect them. Okay, I respect the president of the country. I live in the same way. I didn't vote for him. I can't vote here. I want my children to learn a level of respect for authority. That's something that's a value to me. So these shows, right, they're so busy pushing their political views, they're ignoring the sub-message they're doing. There are a lot of people right now, especially on college campuses and a lot of TV shows more and more anti-free speech. They say, oh, you should only allow to have free speech if it doesn't hurt other people's feelings. They're constantly pushing this and it's very terrifying to me because if you can tell someone else they can't say what they want, then they can do the same thing to you. As soon as you remove free speech, America will start to collapse. There's a reason that free speech is the First Amendment. Because most important one, without free speech, without to say the things that other people disagree with, we'd never have new ideas and new thought. What happened when a little scientist in Rome said, you know what, I don't think the Earth is the center of the universe. I think the sun is. I think we rotate around the sun. They burned him at the stake. That's what happens when you don't have free speech, man. I'm into free speech. I'm into the Constitution. Like, I don't want to change it. So when there's TV shows and messages like that, I don't want my children getting caught that. I don't want my children being told that your opinion, if it hurts other people's feelings, isn't allowed to be expressed. I don't like that. I'm very uncomfortable with that. I, I'm very fascinated because it used to be the left that was all about free speech, and now it's all the right that's about free speech. Very baffling to me this political shift, but to me, there are plenty of people that I massively disagree with, but I don't want to take away their right to free speech because then they could take away mine. And the people that want to remove their enemies' right to free speech don't understand that then theirs will get lost next because it's a slippery slope. So yes, I've leaked out a couple of my political views. I believe in the Constitution, basically my core political views, and I don't believe in hurting children. So. When you could have your children exposed to television in America, television's on all the time. You can't control it. Your children could be watching anything. They could be ed getting educated with weird PSAs that go against your religious, political, or personal beliefs. A lot of the news now, there's a trend now talking on the news about, oh, it's all, they're all against fake news. But the sites complaining the most are the ones that publish the most fake news. One of the biggest complainers about fake news is Brian Williams, who got fired because he told dozens of stories. I was in a helicopter that got hit with a missile was one of his lies. It never happened. He got fired from his job because he's the king of fake news and now he's complaining about other people doing fake news. I don't like all that stuff, okay? I don't want my children seeing all that garbage. So that's why I show them stuff from the past. I much prefer that, I much control that, and I control which shows they watch. And I know what the messages are gonna be because I've seen them all before. I don't want my children to see something I haven't seen. You can also do the same thing with friends. There's, there's certain children here that I don't want my daughter to be too much friends with 
because their parents aren't as strict or their parents don't care. I have a, not my friend anymore, but there was an acquaintance who over time I got so sick of who is probably, I would say, not the worst parent I've ever seen, but one of the worst. His children only speak the dialect of our island. They don't speak the national language and they don't speak any English. And he says, oh, well, he wants to take them back to his home country, Australia. He's like, they'll figure it out when they get there. I've known children have been through this. It's so traumatic. His children will always have an accent. His children will always be treated as second generation, as first generation. They'll always be treated like they just arrived. They won't be treated the same way. When your accent is imperfect, people treat you differently. I know this because I've experienced it in many countries, whether you're in an English-speaking country or another country. His children could have perfect English accents if he'd just taken the time to teach them English. But he didn't bother. And when they go back, even if they do pick up English, there's gonna be a lot of tears, there's gonna be a lot of pain, because suddenly they're in a place where no one understands what they're saying at all. Man, horrific. I don't want my kids hanging out with those kids. I don't want my children to hang out with these kids too much because I don't like that style of parenting of the don't care style. I'm very conscious, I'm very obsessed with my children's future. Most of the money that I bring in, most of my building of the growing of this business is about my children. If I was single with no kids, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would barely be working. I could sustain my lifestyle pretty easily. Wouldn't have such a big house, wouldn't have all these nannies, wouldn't have so many bills. So really my business is for them, not me. I've already done enough to take care of myself. Taking care of your kids, it's very important. I mean, if you're on the same path as me, then you're really digging this message. So you can control who their friends are. You can control who they hang out with a little bit more. And even if you're living in America, you should do the same thing. One of the problems when you send your kid to school, you never know who they're gonna come home friends with. But here, I have a little bit more level of control. I have that level of control, it's important to me. So I can see who they're hanging out with, I pay attention. I say, oh, I don't wanna hang out with that kid too much. I don't want that kid around too much. I don't wanna hang out with the kid whose parents do different things. So this kind of rolls into safety and safety is really important to me. So whenever my daughter is on the motorcycle, whenever she's on the scooter, she has to wear a helmet. I bought a really cute Hello Kitty helmet. All the other kids are jealous of it, it's so cute. None of the other parents on this island buy helmets for their kids. None of the other parents wear helmets. I also make my girlfriend wear a helmet and she was wearing it yesterday and everyone was making fun of her and laughing because she looked like a Power Ranger. Guess what? She was in a car accident. When I was away, she didn't wear the helmet. She got in a car accident. She almost got really, really, really hurt. She has a giant bruise on her arm. If she landed the wrong way, I wouldn't have a girlfriend anymore. Wedding would be off. She'd be gone. So for me, making her wear a helmet, that's important. It's not because I want to be strict, but it's because the number one cause of death on my island is car accidents. Every couple of weeks, someone gets hurt horrifically because they weren't wearing a helmet. So as a parent, I create these rules that are designed to keep my children safe. I'm not very strict in other areas, but child safety is pretty important to me. We used to have, we have a door in the back of our house that leads right onto a major road. The nannies used to walk in and out that door all the time. Our dog ran out the door six months ago, died in front of my daughter, got run over by an ambulance. So guess what? I blocked that door off. I said, no one uses this door anymore. It's not safe. If you want to hang out, play, play in front of our house where we have a pool, a garden, and the beach. It's the safe side. You don't need to watch all the motorcycles driving by. It's too dangerous for my little kid. I don't want my daughter running into the road. Thinking about safety, making it a priority. People have this feeling that if I'm international, the laws don't apply to me and the laws of physics don't apply to me. Go to India. Every single foreigner has an injury from a bike accident. They don't wear helmets there and they're all hurt. They're all dum-dums. That's why I hated going to India and I'll never go back. It was a terrible experience. Everyone's hurt. 
So making safety a priority is really, really important. And of course, the final thing to look at, the fifth thing to look at when you're raising your children abroad or you're parenting abroad is the culture. There are parts of the local culture that I expose my children to very extensively. Very much my children are learning about farming. They're learning about eating their own food, killing their own animals, because guess what? I don't want my children to think that cow is something that just comes out of a factory. So my children are very much exposed because we're in the middle of buying a farm, we're trying to grow our own food to that part of life, that farm part of life, which ironically my mother spent her whole life escaping. But then there's certain parts of the local culture that I'm not into. Most of the parents here let their children run around naked in the street until they're about seven or eight years old. I don't let my children play in the street and I don't let my children play in the street naked. That doesn't interest me. <laughs> I don't want my children, you know, being covered in dirt or those things. So there's some things people, parents do here because they're very hands-off that I'm not into. Whereas there are other things that I'm very much interested in. You know, my daughter, I make her swim every day even if she doesn't want to. I want her to remain a strong swimmer. My son, he swims all the time too. He's been swimming since he was about three months old. Now he's not good enough to swim on his own, but he loves being in the water and he's very comfortable. So he'll be a very strong swimmer very soon. These types of teachings are absolutely critical when you live on an island. So I want my children exposed to a lot of those things. My children are exposed to a lot of cultural things through their nannies that I'm fine with. But I don't let my children go to the cockfights. I don't want my children to see two chickens fight to the death for sport. That doesn't interest me. So there's parts of the culture I let them expose to, and there's parts of the culture that I'm not that interested in. And these are decisions and things you should make and watch when you're parenting abroad. And if you pay attention to these five key steps, you can give your children a really big advantage in life. You can create children outside of the American educational system, outside of the English educational system, who have a real chance at a great life. See, when my children turn 18, I want them to be able to make enough money to support themselves. I want them to be able to speak multiple languages, play an instrument, have some artistic ability. I want them to have a skill set that means if I want to be a musician, I can't. If I want to be a painter, I can't. If I want to be a translator, I can't. So they have a set of skills that are valuable and that will prepare them for life in a way that I'll feel comfortable that I'm like, okay, they're ready. Yeah, that's really, as a parent, that's all you're trying to do is get your kids ready to be adults themselves. And so these are five of the critical components, the key ways to really prepare your children for life when you're parenting abroad. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you tomorrow. You've just listened to another amazing episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Make sure to subscribe and we'll be back tomorrow with another amazing episode.